Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face-to-face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Welcome to Encounter Grace. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Jason McKnight, and I'm really glad to have with me my friend B.J. Murphy, BJ founded and he runs Magic Mile Media, which includes the News News. Maybe you've heard of that more. He served eight years as mayor of Kinston, and he's just a great friend in this community. BJ, welcome. Thanks for being here. Well, I, look, I appreciate the invitation. This is uh, this is a nice experience. You're doing some great things here. <laughs> well, we try to, and we keep telling everyone we're doing great things. So I appreciate <laughs> you you taking us up on that. Listen, I love talking to you, and you know, over the years, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of chance to talk. Yes, I, here's why: because you're thoughtful. You're gentle, and you always have something good to say. So I thought, let's invite you on here to have a great conversation about news and about politics and about friends and about how to do life in a small town. So well, I appreciate that. Uh, such a great introduction. You know, I, I might hire you to and just have you tag along with me well, for a little while. It has the benefit of being true. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Thank <laughs> hey, you. Hey, bring us up to date and, and just let us, what's going on with Magic Mile Media? Oh, wow. Uh, so many things. Magic Mile Media really was started because of my experience during Hurricane Matthew. I was a commission-only sales guy and I, my, you know, I gave up two weeks of my life, and yep. and um, and and when when that went south, my income, I said, well, what am I good at? I'm good at business, business relationships, the B two B market. I'm also good at social media. Not because I was like the best at it, I was forced to get good at it because of the role of being the mayor. And um, so today, what started off as just let's get a client here or there, see if we can help them with it. Now we've done some major events in our community. We uh, wow. Expanded into the news business. Um, we mm-hmm. we're now doing websites. Uh, we we uh, are starting to license out our intellectual property as it relates to the news business. To a we haven't made those announcements yet, but we've got we've already signed one deal. We're That's working great. on a second one uh, in another part of the state. So, I mean, we're we're doing things to help other entrepreneurs grow their business mm-hmm. and uh, have complete control too. So I, I'm hap- I wake up every day, I have a blast, whether it's <laughs> a video or audio or the news or with a client uh, or responding to a manhunt. I mean, just there's right. always something happening. There's always something. And and tell us about the name Magic Mile, because people in Kinston know that, but give right. us give yeah, us the deal. Most, that was part of the reason why we, we chose that. I'm a fan of alliteration, you know, uh, a new <laughs> You could <snooze>. be a preacher. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and uh, Magic Mile is certainly, you know, back in the 50s, 60s, Queen Street, downtown Kinston, was called the Magic Mile. If you stood yeah. at the top of the hill near the Bentley and just looked down Queen Street, it's just absolutely gorgeous. In the same way, you come to South Queen Street Bridge looking up, I mean, you see the lights at night. Yep, and uh, yep. so it really had a lot of magic to it. It was kind of the epicenter of shopping in eastern North Carolina. And so the, the, uh, the, the name Magic Mile uh, kind of uh, stuck. But the truth is, it hasn't been that magical in the last couple decades because yep, of yep, the decline sure. in population and many other factors. But uh, it was just a kind of a good play on our history. And uh, we added the word media because mm-hmm. it was kind of an all-encompassing of what we might do. You know, when you start a company, you have these ideas, but until right. you start actually doing uh, it kind of just moved. But it's really, it's been a great name for us. And mm-hmm. one day when 
Amazon or Google are trying to compete to buy us out, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it, it will it will uh, hopefully leave a long lasting impression on the good things that came out of our community. I love it. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing. So every morning I wake up, I check my phone. Uh, after I get coffee right. and then spend a little time in the Word. But then I check my phone and I do read the new snooze. Right. How's that going? You love that. I, I do. I, I, you know, and that was actually an, an intentional marketing ploy. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that even though most people consume their news or uh, they remember walking out with the robe on and you got the coffee cup and the dog runs out, gets, gets the newspaper and brings it back, you know, the white picket fence. Yep, yep. And so we got accustomed to, to getting our news first thing in the morning. And so the idea was if I could make sure that our news newsletter, the digital newspaper, so mm-hmm. to speak, was in your inbox at the same time you were probably getting your coffee and doing your devotion, then we will still have kind of tacked on to that historical ideologue of this is news, yep. this is how you're supposed to get it. But also make sure it's top of the fold, so to speak, in your right. notifications because people get a lot of emails during the day mm-hmm. and then they try to clear as much of it out during the day. But if I was the first thing in your inbox that morning or the first two or three, then you were more likely to click on it. So it yeah. was a very a psychological reasons yeah. why we did it. Good but our, our goal every day is to put out at least three original pieces of content. Sometimes mm-hmm. we hit 12, sometimes it's three, yep. um, but we tend to average around seven or eight, whether it's a column or help wanted uh, or um, uh, an actual news story or a, mm-hmm. a feel good, you know, this yeah. kid got yeah. on the scholarship you list or something, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of community news that your grandparents thought of. That right. was the idea. We want right. it to be free. We want to have none of those annoying pop-ups to <laughs> the, the, you know, what the president or our governor does is really important to our society, but there are are thousands of outlets that tell that story right there's only one that's going to talk about uh, a manhunt in your backyard or yeah. uh, some kid got on the dean's list at some college and we wanted to be that source yeah that's really good okay so you know where i get my news mm-hmm. where do you get your news uh, you know um well i mean I, it's so interesting because i'm so in it every day yeah, yeah. that i know what's coming out in the newsletter every morning at 7 a.m uh for the most part i get my news from a variety of sources mm-hmm. i i listen to i've set up my alexa device to give me a flash briefing so i listen to fox i listen to uh, on this is just on the flash briefing right. uh, fox the wall street journal uh, I'll listen to WREL, mm-hmm. and then I'll get the weather. Uh, during the day, I will flip through on Twitter. I follow a lot of like Washington uh, reporters, not just sure. the main outlets, but the actual reporters themselves. Same for the state of North Carolina. And I follow a lot that? of those folks. Do you follow reporters because you find you you resound with how they report? Like what, what would cause has, you to follow a reporter? It has more to do with the access they have okay. and where they are. Like, could you imagine being in the presidential briefing room every day? Yeah. I mean, what an awesome experience in and of itself. But right. if you live in that little bubble, they're tweeting out stuff. They're reporting back stuff. Right. And so I, I follow the, those, a lot of those reporters. But I, I, at any given point during the day, I may, most of the time it's over lunch. If I eat in, I, I'll, I'll flip to Fox, CNN, um, rare if I'm checking sports lately. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly kind of personally a little <laughs> disillusioned with sports in general. Right. Um, right. But, uh, you know, that's, I, so I, I follow a lot of reporters and I follow a mixture of um, uh, CNN, Fox mm-hmm. folks. I, I, I like just kind of discern for myself. Yeah. Well, as people are 
listening to this and listening about and thinking about where to get news, mm-hmm. talk to us about the difference between news right. and opinion or commentary. You, you and I actually had this conversation yeah. a couple months ago, and I think you wrote a really great blog about it. And I would encourage folks, if they haven't read it, to go read mm. your blog. I, I, I can't remember your website uh, for, for JasonMcKnight.org. that. Okay, yeah. yeah uh, go, go check that out, because I thought you did a great job, and we had a good conversation about it. And, you know, honestly, it's, we get some of that feedback sometimes. Mm. People will make a comment, well, I hate this reporting. And, and it's like, no, right. this was this person's opinion. Right. Uh, there is a big difference. And I think it's healthy for a news organization to allow opinions, uh, but also to report the news. Yeah. And sometimes, honestly, we get chastised at News News for being too uh, right-leaning on the opinions. And I've said, well, do you realize how many times I've asked left-leaning writers to write mm, and yeah. you know the the lack of response that we received i can't help who, right. who sends we, us something you can invite, yeah but there is a difference between someone's opinion certainly and what is a factual news story uh, we have some people who will write a letter to the editor which usually are one-off kind of things and then we have the weekly for us in our backyard Reese Gardner, God love him, cute right, man. Right, uh, right. Mike Parker is very thought provoking right. uh, yep. author. Uh, Tammy will write something. Tammy Kelly will write something about food, and she tries to be relevant with the time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know we have those types, but then we have a local news story, right? You know whether it's um, uh, a criminal act or a, uh, an education piece. Mm-hmm. So and we work with you know in our case um, work with our school systems and our private schools well to get that mm-hmm. kind of information as well. It's true, and you do a good job of that. Like we we, we try. Yeah, I mean it, it's really helpful. Let's talk economics for a minute, because sure. speaking of things that you've written, uh, a few weeks ago you published an article about how stimulus is contrary to the American dream. Hmm. Let's just talk about that for a couple of seconds here in this podcast several weeks later. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not a part of the, the, the think tanks of, of why our, our politicians and economic advisors said direct payment stimulus was the right way to go. My, my point in, in the, my column was was that, you know, look, my family is still receiving stimulus money. Uh, we're right. receiving PEBT money. Right. We're a middle income family. Right. You know, we we got to accept it because they send it to us. We right. can't give it, you know, yeah, to somebody right. else. You could be held criminal li- uh, right. liable. Right. And so it's like we will spend it. And quite frankly, we have used it to pay down debt. We're right. in a let's get rid of debt uh, mode. That's something nice. that's we're, we're focused on. And, but I don't blame people for buying the TVs or cars either. No, no. And if they don't have the debt, maybe it's time. Right. But, you know, I'm a fan with, as a Christian and as American at, at my core of uh, providing for those less fortunate. Mm-hmm. I think both the church and yeah. our country have responsibility to yes. do that. Yep. yep. So my point in the column was, look, I don't really need the direct payment stimulus. Right. And by continuing to do it, guess what the, the next generation is going to expect every time there is a disaster? The next Pearl Harbor or 9-11 happens, they're going to go, well, the way to solve this is to give everybody a, a check. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's that's not the answer. You know, we yeah. survived the housing crisis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we did. Yeah, we all got through it. Right. It, was, yeah. it wasn't easy, but because, we did. Because we're not guaranteed an inexorable increase in our standard of living. It's just nowhere in the Constitution or the Bible. Well, well, <laughs> it's and, just not. And who's going to pay for it? That's yeah. what's just yeah. mind-boggling to me is my kids... Are going to be responsible for these yeah. trillions of dollars yeah. of debts. I mean, I'm 40. I'm getting into the peak earning years, I guess, of my life. 
but uh, am I really going to be held liable via my taxes in my lifetime for even something that we're doing today with these dollars $1,500 stimulus? I, I don't know, Pastor. It's very troubling. I'm not an e- economist, but at my core, I'm going, there's just something that's just not right about this there's long term. Yeah, yeah, there's something not right long term. All right, how long have you lived in Kinston? My entire life. I'm 40, all but three years. Right? Wow. Yeah, that was three years at ECU. That was it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you're born and bred here. Mm-hmm. Okay, what what do you love the best about it? What's your favorite thing about K-Town? Well, certainly it's, well, I mean, gosh, there's so many things. There's so I, many, you're right. right. I mean, I love the people. I love the idea that I can get from one side of the county to the other in like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. That's with traffic. I mean, <laughs> you, you, so, and, and if I need something bigger or better, I, the, the, the towns that we're so close to, Goldsboro, Greenville, New Bern, the beach, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you're 30, 45 minutes yeah. away. Uh, so I think from uh, a lo- logistical standpoint, we're, we're well positioned. We've got mm-hmm. a cute little town. Certainly yeah. it's transitioned over the years. I love our downtown. I'm mm-hmm. practically born and raised in downtown Kinston, and uh, my business is there now as well. Which I'm not local. I've lived mm-hmm. here almost 18 years, but I'm not local. And I did not know until we just, before we went on the air, is that uh, Reynolds... Mm-hmm. Seafood began with your family. I did not know right. that. Or, or... Johnny is my first cousin, and his amazing? his cousin Chuck uh, is on his side of the family. But yeah, my, that was my my grandfather's business. Wow. And when my grandfather passed, he gave uh, half to my dad, who was the youngest of twelve Murphy kids, wow. and uh, the other half to J.C. Reynolds, which was my uncle. And uh, J.C. had Johnny and uh, Chad and Sandy and. Uh, uh, my dad decided that the fish business wasn't what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. He actually had a, so, so much of an emotional connection with, with his own father being there that he said, I just can't do this. Right. So uh, he sold uh, to uh, JC and it's rental seafood and they've got a great business. Really proud of them. They do. I love it. I, mm-hmm. I mean, we get fresh fish there all the time. We just love it right. to bring it home. Okay. You also were mayor here. I wish I had known when you were mayor that your roots were that deep. I just did not know that. <laughs> yeah. I used to tell people, well, I, I became mayor at 29. It was 2009. Uh, I remember one of the first times I ever spoke in front of a crowd. Uh, they were they, they introduced me, and someone in the back said, "He's just a baby." <laughs> and I remember going, "You know, I I I, I my." I got up to the microphone and I said, I heard that. And they kind of chuckled. And I said, well, I may not be a baby, but I guess I qualify to be mayor because I am changing diapers now. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and you, to run for office, you got to have a little bit of a healthy ego. I mean, heck, I got somebody that follows me around with a camera all the time. <laughs> But I will tell you one thing that settles that real quickly is changing the dirty diaper. That's true. Right? It's so, true. Your little ones. Yeah. So I was able to to identify with folks. Yeah, I mean, I, I, changed, I changed a lot of dirty diapers, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, but uh, no, you know, so yeah. Eight years. What was the best years. part about it? You know, I think I love the mo- I love being proactive on leadership. Certainly in mm. leadership, you've got to react to challenges like yep. a flood. But I like being proactive on issues and really kind of pushing the envelope because the mayor's role in our community isn't like the mayor of New York who gets to sign legislation. Right. The mayor of Kinston is uh, the chairman of the board. Mm-hmm. So a chairman doesn't necessarily, chairman isn't the CEO. The chairman doesn't execute. The, right. the chairman kind of casts vision and gets the body and the, the, the organization kind of corralled to go, hey, let's go this way. I, I missed that part. Um, I loved the Eagle Scout Court of Honor ceremonies. Yeah. I love talking to kids. I love, and I'm mayor so of a city, but 
I would get invited to the county schools right. because the kids don't know the difference between the chairman of the county commissioners and the mayor. They don't. Let's, let's get the mayor here. Yeah. So I love talking to kids about how we recycle the water that they flush down the toilet and we end up drinking it later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I just kind of left that out there and expect the parents to call me later. And yeah, because they're calling me. My kid will only drink the Coke now. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but, what was the toughest part? Uh, the toughest part... Uh, honestly, because of how uh, diverse our community is, uh, both economically and racially, mm -hmm. that uh, issues related to electric rates, issues related around race uh, were always very difficult. Of you, you need to be honest with each other. We need to be honest yeah. with the people. People need to be honest mm -hmm. with us. And so sometimes that was, that was a, a very difficult thing to do. So one thing I loved about being mayor is I got to choose a pro tem, a mayor pro tem. Right. Uh, uh, someone who just steps in if I'm ever needed. But that person, the way we, I, way I structured the board uh, where we sat, would sit right beside me. The city manager sit my my right, and the the uh, pro tem sit my left. So I could always kind of lean in and go, okay, how can we? What, tell me about this. And having the wisdom of somebody like Joe Tyson, yeah. for example, yes, yeah, uh, yep, and yep. Robbie Swenson, yeah, good you know, guys, yeah, yeah, you know, and having a, a white person and black person helping to lead the body, mm -hmm. uh, but people more importantly that I trust, yeah, friends. you know, yep. it, because we we saw some things differently, mm -hmm. but I can tell you, yep. Pastor, that in leadership, one thing that I value more than anything is trust. Yeah. I will, I will, I will hire somebody with no skill. But if I can trust them, we can do some great things together. Yeah, we can train you, mm -hmm. you know, or like as an employee. Or right. I can partner with you even if I disagree, but the trust has got to be there. Very much so. And how's your relationship with Mayor Don Hardy? You know, it's, it's interesting because initially it was kind of like it was a little awkward. You right, know, sure. Just, yeah. You know, here's the guy who unseated me. Right. I mean, and I enjoyed eight <laughs> years of of that role and I wanted to do it again. Um, so at first it was a little awkward, but certainly pleasant. I mean, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was very, I called him that night, congratulated him. Um, uh, I certainly was there at the swearing in ceremony, yeah. Yeah. but then I, I, I had to step back and, right. and let room. him lead. Yep. Yep. And then it was like six months later or so is when I started News News. So then the relationship is a little bit different then because now we're in the news business. Right. Uh, so, you know, but I mean, it's not so much. I hear they're supposed to keep elected people accountable. Well, right. So it, some, some of the net networks don't know that. No, that's no, right. Anyway, anyway. It is supposed to be what's supposed to happen. So I, I guess to say is, is I'm not calling on city hall. Right. You know, I, I've got right. staff that if there's an issue with the city or with something we need to address, they're filing reports. Um, so I, you know, I, I really don't, I really reduced how much of the, chamber outings I personally go to because I have done my hardest, my darndest to uh, allow him yeah, and other yeah, leaders to step yeah. into those roles. Mm -hmm. So I'm still very out there and vocal and proactive, but on a much different level today. Sure, sure. Well, let's zoom out from okay. Lenore County, from Kinston, and let's think politics nationally. Mm -hmm. You're a registered Republican. You elected mm -hmm. as a Republican. Look mm -hmm. into your crystal ball. Tell us what's next for the GOP. Well, uh, I mean, it's interesting because um, I've always considered myself a practical Republican. So practical I, Republican, I like I, it. I was, um, I'm definitely center right, um, but I, but governing in and of itself requires the mm -hmm. the acceptance of the minority voice. Mm -hmm. Whether you're the Democrats in the majority or the Republicans in the majority, the the minority voice has to have a voice. It doesn't mean that 
you're always going to uh, uh, approve everything they do or right. include everything, but you've got to at least make an attempt. And that's the very difficult thing about politics in, in Raleigh and D.C. is it becomes so partisan. But in terms mm. of Republican Party, uh, you know, the, the President Trump's um, almost denial of the election results or how that all came to be has been an interesting thing to watch politically right. because I'm also of the opinion of, hey, the courts said you lost. Mm-hmm. The Electoral College said you lost. So, okay, just tell people, hey, I lost and, right, and move, move on. on. But actually, the exact opposite happened. It mm-hmm. doubled down, culminated in the January 6th Capitol riots. Whether people say he's accountable for that or not, I tend to think he's more accountable than he's admitted to. But uh, that's just my uh, sure. personal yeah, opinion. That's you. Uh, so I, I really think the Republican Party needs a leader that can unify the base without um without alienating too many of the 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 people who are like me who are practical or right. the, the tea party you, you need somebody who can kind of unify all the different sectors because yeah. yes i'm republican but i don't wear it on my sleeves you, sure. you know i mean i just don't go beating my chest with it and so it's just interesting to watch uh what the congress Democrat-controlled Congress and the Democrat-controlled White House do over the next year and a half will have a big role in what happens in 2022. Well, that's what I was going to ask you then. Put the crystal ball on the Democrat Party. What do you Mm think is coming? You you know, the truth is they've got a small window of time to put forth every single crazy idea they've ever had uh, and and, and, uh, the right momentum to pull it off. Right. It'd be interesting to see if they really do that. Like they mm-hmm. could shove the stimulus checks down the, the, the throats of Republicans and uh, and get away with it because they've got the numbers. Right. Whether they actually do that or not is remains to be seen. So and if they don't do it, then it was just like the first couple of years, I think, of President Obama or somewhere his first term. He had control of the, the Congress. Uh, yep. And they didn't do some things, and they were later held accountable for that. By their base. That's right. Yeah, and no, so it's true. It, and same with the beginning of the Trump and both houses of Congress were Republican, right. and they didn't get Affordable and, Care Act and I, changed. And, and I will tell you that, Pastor, I'm a big fan of checks and balances in yeah, our system. Me too. Big fan of it. And whether that's the Supreme Court or the House or the Senate or, mm-hmm. or uh, in the governor's mm-hmm. office. So, like, I mean, president's office. I, I mean, I'm yep. the same way in North Carolina. I like the idea that Republicans in charge of General Assembly. Part of me kind of likes the idea of we got a Democrat governor. It doesn't mean I really enjoy our governor. Sure, but, but the check but and in, balance. But in terms of the principle, the idea of a checks and balances, I think it's healthy. I guess it's my point. Yeah. I think it's healthy for our society to have right. those checks and balances. I think it yeah. really is healthy. So you're not just saying that as a newsman? No. Because it I, makes great headlines? Well, no, <laughs> but, it, you know, and the truth is that's the kind of talk that would hurt me in the Republican primary. You're exactly right. Right? You're but, exactly right. But it's also the, the, the true core American value that I mm-hmm. really appreciate yeah. and is that you've got to be willing to work with the other side to do what's best for the entire country or the population. Mm-hmm. Just because I was a Republican that won at 29 doesn't mean that I'm only going to serve Republican interests. My community was two-thirds minority, two-thirds Democrat. Right. You know, thankfully, four years later, I was actually the first person to become mayor as a nonpartisan candidate because mm. because we, we went nonpartisan as well. So uh, you represent everybody once you get in office. You do. You really do. You represent everyone. 
And, mm. uh, and that's why governing is a whole lot harder than campaigning. It's right. It, it <laughs> is because you can say so many things. You can put out your platform. Yep. You know, President Biden put out his platform, all the things he wanted to accomplish. But then he's, when he gets in there, then he's got Speaker Pelosi's agenda, agenda and Senator Schumer's yep. uh, agenda. And it goes, OK, mm-hmm. well, then you might have one or two splinter votes like Joe Manchin, you know, who's West on Virginia. the bubble. Mm-hmm. Right. And then whatever Mitch McConnell says could have some weight in that conversation. So you've got all these things pulling at you on top of the idea that. You've also, in leadership, have to respond to things. It's not always about what you want to do. It's right. about you have to react to a 9-11. Yep. How does that change what you're about to do for the next six years of your, your yeah, career? That's right. Well, how do you remain politically engaged but don't lose friends? Because that's a, that, we got to talk about that just for a couple of right. minutes here. How, right. how can I be active in politics or at least thinking about it, but then just feels like if I say the wrong thing at the wrong time, people are going to drop me. You know, I, 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 part of that for me is I'm, even though I'm a very outspoken guy to some degree, I'm not a shock and all kind of a guy. That's right. not my core, right. my nature. <clears throat> but I'm also careful about how often or what I post on social. Hmm. You know, and the way social media algorithms, you know, you're only seeing the things of people that you identify with the most because right. most people mute somebody because they voted for the wrong guy. Right. I right. mean, or they were happy that Biden was sworn in. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. so yeah. you got to be willing to accept others' opinions. Uh, but a lot of that is just being careful in what I say and not being outlandish in those comments. Uh, the other thing is, truthfully, I don't really get super engaged in the comments on social. And, right. I, and I'm, I'm leaning into the social side of this conversation because we're so social That's where you connected. lose friends, yeah. It, it is. It's, you know, Pastor, you've got a congregation. I don't know. I've been here several times, three, four, five hundred people any given Sunday here. Um, oh, well, pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah, sense. right. But, it's a little um, small. Yeah, but, you know, 250, 300. But I would imagine that you've got some white people, some black people. You've got some Republicans. You've got some Democrats. Mm-hmm. And, and we're super pumped. Right. And have. But you have a one unifying cause here. Right. You agree on something. Right. And I think that's kind of the way I approach my my friends, I have friends mm. who are Republican, Democrat, young, old, black, white. Doesn't really matter to me. Um, I truly care about: Are you happy? Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I'm I'm very careful about not being too outlandish. I'm just as quick to criticize Trump as I am Biden, mm-hmm. uh, McCrory as I am Cooper. Yeah. You know, yep. and because yep. uh, I think it's only fair to do that. Yeah. Well, this podcast is called Encounter Grace, and so yeah. let me just ask you this: Over the last week, two month, two. Where have you encountered grace from God? Well, I'll tell you, uh, for me, and I know by the time this airs, it'll be a little, the time yep. will be a little bit different, but uh, f- for me, I got to spend the last weekend with my father, you know, and uh, a year ago, he was scheduled to have a heart surgery, and uh, he ended up having a stroke. And, you know, the way strokes work, you think of a stroke, but it's actually a series of strokes. Right. It's a, several of them, but... But he had a stroke and ended up almost debilitating him. I, I, I spent one week in the hospital, it was like four nights, and it was mm. almost as excruciating for me to watch him go through this as it was for him right. to go through the pain of you know not knowing where he is and those kind of things. Uh, so he had the stroke. Uh, he ended up recovering, came over to my house for lunch on a Friday. He was going to spend the weekend with me, had a stroke that day at my house. Wow. Set him back again. 
And then around Thanksgiving time, he was well enough, strong enough. He ended up having the heart surgery he needed. Yeah. And um, so he is, uh, hopefully by the time this airs, he will have finally got his dentures in. So he'll, he'll be getting some of that meat back in his bones. But yep. you just spending the weekend, he, I, I toured him around like a celebrity. Went to, he went to Pizza Villa and uh, uh, Reynolds and Lovick's. And uh, to me, that time it. with my father was great. Yeah. Boy, that, that is encountering grace, I'm telling mm-hmm. you. That is a great thing. BJ, thank you. In a busy schedule, thank you for taking time to encourage us here as we listen to Encounter Grace as we're part of this community. Thank you for being part of Kinston Community. And friends, thank you for being part of Encounter Grace. And we'd love for you to subscribe to this. If this was helpful for you, invite a friend and pass it on to them. That would be great. You could bless them with this. Like, comment, share on Facebook, YouTube. We'd love it all. But thank you for joining us here on Encounter Grace and have a great day. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.